Welcome to Fear Less You, the podcast where we discuss, dissect, and examine some of life's greatest fears. This is episode 21 with special guest, Kiara Nolan. My name is Coach Lane Lee, performance coach and fear psychology enthusiast, here to help you outperform your greatest fears. Fear is my passion, curiosity is my nature, and understanding is the gift I seek to share with all who will listen. Because if we can seek to understand more, we can learn to fear fear itself less. Now let the class begin. Welcome, one and all, to the Fearless You. You guys, it's 2020. It's a new decade. And this is the next logical progression for the Fearless You. Welcome to the new format. I hope everybody is well and blessed today. We're about to dive into some dynamic content. I am so excited if you can't tell. Listen, if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you so much. I am so honored to have you here and uh, to have you a part of my community. If this is not your first time, if you're coming back to the show, thank you for listening again and tuning in. Um, Your guys' feedback has been phenomenal over the last year and a half, two years that I've been doing this, and uh, it just continues to infuse me with energy, excitement, and enthusiasm to uh, keep pushing and uh, keep growing, keep providing you guys with content. The more you tell me that this is helping, that only energizes me more to keep going. So thank you so much for your feedback. Um, Listen, if you enjoy these episodes, please be sure to give us a like, a heart, a thumbs up, depending on where you're listening. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe or follow us uh, wherever you found us because we post to multiple formats. Uh, Sorry, we post to multiple platforms. And if you enjoy the content, do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone and uh, share it to your Instagram stories. You can hashtag the fearless you, that is the letter U, um, and you can also tag uh, me at Coach Lane, L-A-I-N, and at the fearless you, again, the letter U, on Instagram. You guys, share it with your friends. If you know somebody who could benefit from the content, be sure to share it with them um, so that we can fulfill our mission of the show, and that is to help people around the world outperform their fears and gain the confidence to do so. So, with it being 2020, with it being a new decade, a new uh, a new format that I'm trying out, I thought it only fitting to break down for you the two different types of episode formats that I try to focus on when presenting content here on the Fearless You. So, the first format is this uh, full length, long format episodes, and long format simply means. I don't edit it down too much, and the episode takes as long as the interview pretty much took. Um, I like to let my guests speak freely, speak honestly from the heart, and offer as much insight as possible um, to that episode's topic of fear. And so that's what they do. I'll interview them, and they lend their expertise to examine that topic and give you guys some unique insight into a fear that you might be struggling with. The second format is called Fearless Five, and that's roughly a five-minute round with just me, the mic, and your ears talking about a different topic revolving around fear and uh, how I believe you can better outperform that fear. You guys, whether you're new to the show or you've been here listening the entire time, this is a phrase that I not only want you to digest and really grab a hold of and take charge of, but it's it's a phrase that I want you to maybe start incorporating into your rhetoric, into your daily life, outperforming fear. 
The reason I use this term is because fear is something, again, if you've listened to any of my other episodes, you've heard this multiple times now. Fear is something that you cannot get rid of. It is a part of our DNA. And trying to suppress it, trying to will yourself to overpower it or overcome it is only doing more damage in the long run. Fear is essential to pushing you forward in life, to getting you out of your comfort zone, to allowing you to outperform that which holds you back. So I want you to start thinking about it and using this phrase will help you start thinking about your fear differently. It's not the enemy. It's not something that you need to suppress or succumb to. It's something you need to understand better. I actually just released a book on this topic outlining the methodology that I employ with my athletes on how to outperform their fear that I believe you can apply to any aspect of your life, whether it be work, family, personal, athletics, whatever. Get my book right now. It's called Outperforming Fear. You can find it on the Gum Road platform. That's G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com forward slash Coach Lane, L-A-I-N. It is 100% free. However, you can pay what you like if you uh, are so moved to do so. I thank everybody that has done that. Um, your your kindness is not expected, um, but it was it was greatly received. So thank you guys so much. Check it out. Outperforming fear out right now. Um, it's one hundred percent free, and uh, you will always be notified when I release new versions or updates to that. Those will also be free. So what do you got to lose? Jump online, download it now, gumroad.com forward slash coach lane, outperforming fear. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. And again, welcome to the next phase, the next iteration of the fearless you. I got a lot of stuff planned for this podcast and I'm ready to sink my teeth into it, get started. And I am so excited about today's guest. I know. I know, I get it, I say that all the time, but honestly, can you blame me? I mean, think about it. I get to make dynamic content of value, featuring people who inspire me in an effort to inspire you, talking about the topic that I love most and most passionate about. And today's interview, one could say, has been in development for the last 20 years, so yeah, let me explain. Kiara Nolan, if you don't know the name, you're sleeping. If you do, kudos. She is a world-class gymnast and tumbler, repeat gold medal winning international athlete, multi-year cheerleading world's champion, cheerlebrity, and burgeoning fitness guru. I know she's going to laugh when she hears me say that. She has flourished in three similar but very different worlds, first as a gymnast, then as a cheerleader on multiple teams, including the world-famous California All-Stars SMOED, and finally serving on the acrobatics and gymnastics team at Baylor University. She has appeared on Ellen and the Steve Harvey Show and is the living embodiment of a world-class athlete and human being. I explain all about how I know her in the interview, but we met officially through Instagram and have quickly developed a professional kinship that is going to lead to numerous other projects coming up here in the future, so stay tuned. Kiara is one of the most down-to-earth people you will ever meet. Her experience and phenomenal tumbling ability definitely get her noticed, but it's her moral code her strong family foundations, and her be-the-hardest-working-person-in-the-room work ethic that by far gets her through the door. In this episode, we talk about the pressures of being a cheerlebrity and what it's like to be in the public eye at such a young age. We discuss the misconceptions among people 
about naturally gifted athletes and the amount of work that actually goes into developing and maintaining their skill. And we talk in great detail about the role that fear has played in Kiara's development as a world-class athlete, both as a motivator and reminder of how she needs to push herself to be her absolute best. I am so honored and so thrilled to get to share my time with Kiara with you all. So let me stop yapping, get on up out of the way so we can get into this. So without further ado, here is the myth, the legend, the one and only Kiara Noble. Hey guys, welcome back to Fearless University and Happy New Year. This is our first interview of 2020 of the new decade. Super excited to jump in and I am extremely honored, privileged and excited to have our first guest of the new year of the new decade, Kiara Nolan, the one and only on the show. Kiara, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I didn't realize I was the first interview of the decade. That's a pretty big deal. That's a huge deal. Thanks like for if we had, me. I'm excited. Yeah, if we had some like confetti and you know some streamers and stuff, maybe I'll I'll put in some like uh, some confetti, you know, sound effects and poppers and stuff. But yeah, that's that's a big deal. We're super excited to have you on. I know this has been an interview in the making for several months, so I uh, just thank you for making the time and. Uh, taking the time to you know spend some time with us today and talk uh, all things fear and and how they relate to cheer and tumbling. Of course, no. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. This is going to be. I think this could be a really great conversation. I do too. Is this your first uh, podcast interview, like ever? This yes, this is my first podcast interview ever. Let's but go. I, I, um, have recently started getting into podcasts. So I'm like super excited. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Yeah. It's, I think it's cool. Cause like, I know my, my Instagram demographic, my biggest demographic is the 18 to 35 age mark. So that's plenty of people that are, you know, commuting and carpooling. So, um, trying to really beef up the content this year to give them plenty of things to listen to and ponder on while they're stuck in traffic. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I'm happy to be a part of it. So let's jump into this. I, I wanted to just I, I usually like to like give everybody a quick background on the guests and that I bring on and how I know them. And I, I know I shared this with you during our, our first call back in. Oh, gosh, I think it was like October. But um, my first Kiara Nolan experience was uh, I think I was like 15. Um, I was in, in high school cheer. You had to have been, I swear, you looked like you were like four or five. And <laughs> it was at it was at the uh Anaheim Convention Center. And um what team what team was the teal and black that you used to cheer for? Oh, oh, Club Cheer Twisters in there my you hometown, go. Oxnard, California. Club Cheer Twisters. That's where I started. There you go. A little shout out, Club Cheer Twisters. Um shout out to Club Cheer Twisters for sure. <laughs> I see this little girl tumbling better than anybody else on the floor. Like you were tumbling with people 
two to three times your size and you were outshining them on the floor. And I just remember like I noticed you first because I was I was on the, the floor warming up my, you know, I don't know, my my round off back answering tuck. And um and like I turn around, I'm like, dang, who is this kid? Like the first my first honestly, my first reaction was, God, I hope my child tumbles like that one day. <laughs> well, thank you. I know, I know, you know, people people say that they're like, You were just so small and I it's hard for me to remember, but people are yeah. like, You were doing these flips, but you were so, so small. Right. That's what there was just like a a shock value to it because I was so small doing these flips but to me you know it was just normal like I I can't remember a time where I wasn't flipping I'm sorry I'm totally cut you off but no no this is thank you this is the whole yeah no this is the nature of 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 the (laughs) whole interview you know it's it's a open forum but you know I mean I couldn't imagine you not getting you know attention like that um and we'll talk about it more as as we go into it because we I want to hear more about your story because it seems like there hasn't and this is you know not blown smoke at all like this is legit it seems like you've always had shine like growing up you've been involved in some amazing programs you've you've competed and cheered on the international on an international platform um you know i've seen you on tv like it's just crazy it seems like ever since you could move you've been moving and you've been excelling at it so like why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with you know with tumbling with with cheer how did you get involved like how young how young were you when you first started yeah so I started so the reason why I was even taken into a gym at all was because I would flip off furniture and my mom was like okay like what are you doing so at 18 months old she signed me up for a mommy and me class at, um, I'll give a shout out to my, my first gym ever, Gold Coast Gymnastics, took me into Gold Coast Gymnastics, and I did a mommy and me class. Nice. You know, basically what that is, is the, the kids run around. I mean, you're 18 months old. You really can't do much. So you're running around, jumping on the trampoline. Basically, it's just a way to, my mom's like, she'll just, you know, burn some energy, whatever. It'll be great. So after about, I guess it'd be like a year, at two and a half, I told my mom, I pointed to someone that was on an athlete that was on the gymnastics team. And I said, I saw her do a back handspring. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Now, again, this is just what they tell me because I do not remember this. And she was like, okay, sweetie, whatever. I ran out there and I did a back handspring. Now it was not pretty, (laughs) you know, I was two and a half, but I did it. And I think that kind of caught the attention of the coaches. Like, okay, that, like what she just did with isn't normal for her age yeah um that would catch anybody's attention yeah I mean it was like pretty shocking and so I did my back handspring and then you know my mom was like well is she like you know she likes it and they think she's good we'll put her in more classes and so then I started you know I got a I got a back tuck when I was three I think a layout when I was four or five Uh, I think I got a full when I was about five um, wow. and so, you know, I, after, so then how I got into cheer was because I got a back cancer when I was two. And at the time you couldn't compete in gymnastics until you were seven. Mm. So the cheer team club cheer twisters that was at gold coast gymnastics at the time, I think that's where they were practicing said, Hey, 
you know, can Kiara come be on our team just until she can compete in gymnastics, you know, but it, it will be a way for her to get out there, compete, throw her skills in competition. Right. Uh, just please let her, you know, let her join the team for a little bit. So we did. Um, from there, I, you know, I was supposed to quit when I was seven, but instead when I turned seven, I started competing in gymnastics and cheer. Um, I forgot what age it was. I think maybe around eight or nine, I started power tumbling because I really was only into the tumbling aspect of gymnastics. I wasn't into like the bars, beam, vault. I only liked the floor and only liked tumbling. So I started doing power tumbling. Um, and then I did power tumbling until I was 15, won three uh, world titles, got three gold medals in uh, Canada, Russia, and France. And then I cheered all the way up until I, I graduated high school at 17 and got a scholarship to Baylor. So that's kind of did acrobatics and tumbling there. So that's kind of my tumbling journey, I guess, and wow. kind of how it all started. That's the abridged version because, I mean, like the I just heard Germany – Russia, did you say Germany, Russia, and France? I said Canada, Russia, and France. Yeah, Canada, Russia, and France. Four, of course, there's a journey kind of with each sport that I did. Um, wow. So I did cheer, I did power tumbling, and then I did acrobatics and tumbling. And I even did. I, I always forget to say I did double mini, which is like a miniature trampoline. I won a, a world title, world gold medal for that. But I, I wow. kind of always, I don't know how I forget that, but I forget that. Um, right. So yeah, you know, with each sport, there it's kind of its own separate journey but that's yeah. yeah that's kind of the the short of the long <laughs> yeah well that, that that's good i think because i want to leave stuff for the listeners to like stalk you about you know like i want yeah. them to be able to learn more and, and learn more of your journey i think baylor was when i kind of rediscovered you and started following you from that point on i think you popped up on my explore page one day on uh on instagram and i was like hey that girl looks familiar i know her and so I was like, yeah, let me check them out. And plus, you know, I knew Baylor's acro team was like amazing. So um, I. And yeah, it was just... me years later, still tumbling. Imagine that. Right. Imagine that. Still me, still tumbling. <laughs> but I mean, like, I look at it like that's you just spending. I think a, a huge lesson to to take away from this is if you want to be good at anything, it's going to take years of sacrifice and dedication and consistency will lead you to the success. You know, years of honing your craft is what's going to lead you to that success. Uh, my wife and I were just um, talking about an old actor friend of hers um, the other day, and she's seeing him now in movies. But back in the day, he was just another guy in acting class. And, um, you know, I, it's taken him years to, like, hone his craft and just being consistent where a lot of people would have given up by now. He's still doing it Absolutely. and he's, you know, finally getting those roles that I'm sure he wanted to get 10, 12 years ago. Um, so of I, course. I think yeah, when it, I take, s- it takes dedication and it takes having a goal and never giving up no matter, you know, it's not, the path isn't always straight to the goal. I think right. that's really important to keep in mind. It takes a lot of dedication. And for me, it took a lot of dedication, not only on my part and sacrifice on my part as a, you know, as a child, it took a lot of sacrifice and dedication from my parents, yeah, which I sure. really, really appreciate. So this, yeah. you know, where I've gotten to was definitely a, a group effort, yeah. you know, from me, and, but also my, my parents. So very important point, you know, to make, because, uh, 
without the parents, you're not, you know, you're not getting to, to practices, to classes, you know, you're not getting funded. So yeah, the sacrifices that not many taking, parents, not, not driving my six hours round trip to tear practice for two years. Good <laughs> so, Lord. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Um, Would you say, you know, just listening to your story, would you say that you feel like um, you were predisposed to this type of movement as a child? Because I, I mean, working with so many athletes and for both of us, I know that being around this, this type of movement in this sport, you can see when there are athletes who just understand the movement and they pick things up a lot faster than those that um, maybe don't, you know, and they, they are the ones that have to spend much more time learning and drilling and practicing um, for, for you to be two, to do a back handspring that takes an incredible amount of self-awareness, um, coordination, uh, proprioception, you know, all of those things. Like, do you, do you feel like it was something that you were just predisposed to be able to do? Do you feel like it was something you were just curious and passionate about? Or like, what do you think drove you at such a young age to be able to, to perform these skills? Yeah, I think, I think, of course, I had a natural ability to tumble. I just got it, mm. you know, and I think a, a lot of the times people are like, well, you just get it. It's, it's not fair. And mm. for me, you know, I, of course, while I acknowledge I had a certain level of talent to, to understand the way tumbling worked, to understand air awareness, how my body worked, um, I also worked really hard. And I also was in the gym nonstop. And I also had a passion for it, right? So yeah. it kind of it kind of went hand in hand for me. I did have the natural ability, but I also worked really hard. And I, you know, hearing for so many years, tumbling for so many years, and then also coaching clinics for I think now about ten years. I've seen, I've seen. There's three types of kids, in my opinion, okay. or athletes. There's there's the athlete that has the natural talent, figures that out, and tries to rest on that natural talent, and they don't work really hard, and they they can keep up with the other athletes at their gym because they're just that good. Yeah. There is another type of athlete that maybe doesn't have that natural talent, but they they work so hard to get the skills they have and to perfect the skills they have. And they want it so bad. And then there's the athlete that has both. And that's more rare. And I think that, um, you know, the athlete that has the talent and works really hard. And for me, I always wanted to be that third type of athlete. Just right. because I had a certain level of talent, I didn't want to just be like, well, you know, I can naturally these things and so I, I think I'm not going to work very hard and I'll still be you know pretty pretty dang good yeah. um I, and I also I think my parents really played a huge part in that where they were like okay just because and I, I not that I ever thought I was better than anybody but they're like just because you have you know you can tumble well you know naturally it comes to you um you're not going to just not work hard and right. so I always try to be that third type of athlete. Um, and I think it almost, in a weird way, it almost 
put a chip on my shoulder. Like just people thought that it was just easy for me and it wasn't fair. And it, um, you know, it, that it's not fair. I would always say it's not fair when you, when you compete against me, I always got that. And it put a weird tip on my shoulder. Like, no, I'm going to work harder than everybody else too. Mm. Just so you know, just so you know that I put in hours at the gym. I'm going to be the first one there, the last one out. I'm going to, you know, make sacrifices. Maybe I'm not going to go to this birthday party. I'm not going to go to this event because I'm, I have practice. And so it all, it's so weird to think about now, but it almost put a chip on my shoulder, which I think worked it was, was uh, an advantage for me because I just worked harder uh, than I think I would have if no one really said anything to me. Um, I, but it, it kind of, and it would hurt my feelings when people say like, well, it's not fair. And I'm like, do you know how many hours I put in the gym? Do you know? Like I, I work really, really hard too. Like I work hard just like everybody else. And so, um, yeah, it came naturally to me, but I, I also worked for it. What would you say to the athletes listening right now, to those athletes that are in that same category as you, where they have this tremendous natural ability, but they also are the hardest workers in the room and they are, maybe they're starting to feel like, or they have been feeling like they have to uh, prove something to those that are the ones saying, well, you just got it so easy. You know, you, you just, you're so natural. Um, maybe they get their show off a lot. Like what, what would you, what advice would you give those athletes? I would say, I think that for any athlete, be the best you you can be, be the best Mm -hmm. for yourself. It's important. You know, if you want to prove to other people, you work hard, all that, that's great. But, but Prove it to yourself. Be the best athlete you can be for yourself. And I promise you that will take you much farther than if you're trying to prove things to other people. Do it for mm. yourself and focus on what you think about yourself as an athlete. Um, if you know when you walk into the gym that you're putting in as much effort as possible, you're putting in the hours, you're putting in the time, you know, you're working as hard as you can. Then, and you and you know that, then that's good enough. Don't let other people's opinions or or thoughts or maybe words don't let that define you. Because then, because then, if you're always trying to prove things to other people, you know sometimes that's a little bit never ending. You have mm-hmm. to do it for yourself. So I knew at the end of the day, I was like, I know, I know, I work hard. Yeah. So just know know what you're doing. You know, yeah. and and I think it's important to work hard also when no one's watching. I think mm. that's when that's when you put in the most hard work is when no one's watching. I always say you let you let your, you know, when you step on the competition floor, you let that speak for itself. I think you you brought up several amazing points that I just want to touch on because there are things that I've come across from different sources over the years. I remember listening to um a podcast on um or an episode on the Lewis Howes um, School of Greatness podcast. And he had a musician on there that, oh, no, I'm sorry. He had Justin Baldoni. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched um, uh, Jane the Virgin, but uh, he's the... I've heard that name before, definitely. Yeah, he's an actor on that show, but he was talking about this whole idea of um, 
you know, prove it to them, you know, prove them wrong. And he was saying how Mm -hmm. dangerous that mentality is to you as the one Mm -hmm. that thinks I have something to prove to other people because they are not sitting around waiting for you to see or waiting to see what your next level is. They're not waiting to see what hard work you've been putting in. And I think that goes hand in hand with what I've been hearing Gary V say a lot lately, which is how important self-awareness is in whatever journey mm-hmm. you're on, you know, like, and I think that's what you're, you're touching on is that it's so much more important to be self-aware and to know what, what happiness is to you, know what fulfillment is to you, know what, um, what makes you happy at the end of the day with the work that mm-hmm. you put in. And, um, I think that's, that's phenomenal. It's, it's nice to just sit back and, and listen to you as you say, because these are things that of course I would, um, always preach to my athletes or, or, you know, share here on the podcast. But, um, you know, it's, it's so nice to hear a high performing athlete, um, who just understands those concepts and, and lives by them by, um, I think anybody could look at you and see that you you live, you practice what you preach and anybody that right. you know goes to check out your Instagram profile will see just how hard you work. Even now today, when you're not, you, you're not, no one's making you, you're right. You know, like this is a uh, work ethic that right. you've developed over the years because you're no longer required to go perform anywhere. It's just your, your lifestyle from a lifetime of, of dedication and, and discipline. So it's, so kudos to you. Cause it's amazing to watch. Thank you. But I also, you know, I just want to say one thing that it is, it's not easy. It's not just like, well, don't care about what others think and live your life. That's not easy. Right. Right. So right. It's always, it's always a constant battle between kind of quieting the outside voices. Right. And what other people think and really just, you know, being in tune with yourself and in being proud of yourself, knowing you're working hard. So I, I just want to say it, it's not easy and I, I'm not perfect at it and I wasn't and I'm still, it's still, you know, a battle for me to be like, okay, you know, stop listening to everybody else and, and just listen to yourself for a second. For but sure. I think if you can get to the point where you can kind of win that battle. And, and just listen to yourself, I think that you'll just be a lot happier. And it takes, it takes this pressure off, right? Mm, it takes right. the pressure off when you don't have to worry about proving them wrong. For sure. Prove it to yourself and, and the pressure just kind of melts away. And then yep. you start having fun. So that's what, that's what I found in, in all my time of, of being an athlete and, and now, you know. I love that. I want to shift gears just slightly to um, something that you and I discussed, uh, like I was saying uh, before it, when we had our conversation a couple months ago, it kind of just organically came up when we were maybe, you know, theorizing like, okay, what kind of subject should we talk about on the podcast? Since the subject of this podcast um, at its heart is always understanding fear better um, and Mm -hmm. understanding how we experience it so that we can learn to fear being afraid less, right? So education mm-hmm. through understanding. Right. Um, so to to kind of segue toward that conversation, um, I wanted to talk about a little bit about your 
your experience being among one of the first what we would call cheerlebrities and your experience mm-hmm. with being um like I said I've seen you on TV um a lot of people have seen you as you grew up um perform on at many different levels and you were someone that has been in um the public eye of this industry for a long time you've been in magazine ads you've had stories written about you you've been featured over and over again so what according to you and your knowledge what for those mm-hmm. who don't know what is a cheerleberty and would you consider yourself you know to be in that category okay great question so <laughs> what i what i can i'll start with what a cheerleberty is yes to my knowledge right correct and so, experience a cheerleberty a cheerleberty is somebody that the cheerleading industry kind of looks up to. Um, And that can be for many reasons. Mine, and I feel like uh, the reasons have kind of changed over the years for, you know, as the industry changes. Um, But it is somebody that the industry kind of looks up to as a whole. My experience, I remember like people would start coming up to me and being like, you're a true liberty. And I did, I had never heard that word. And I was like, what does that, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Like, what right. is, I think that's a good thing, but they, thank you. Um, so that was kind of my first experiences with it. I would have meet and greets and things and people were like, oh my God, you're the, you're a true liberty. How <laughs> like, old were you around this time? What does that mean? Um, okay. Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Maybe, but a ballpark. I don't, I don't know the exact exact age maybe like 13 12 oh, wow. 13 okay maybe when i was on like california all-stars could be a little bit older it wasn't i don't think it was younger i don't think okay. um so when i first started you know kind of like recognizing the word i think it was around 13 um but to me i wouldn't consider myself a true liberty i actually don't i don't really like that word for me I don't mm-hmm. like that word for me. Um, and I know some other quote unquote celebrities that feel the same way. Right. When people say that, it's it, you're so grateful that somebody looks up to you and that you can inspire someone. But you, oh, it just feels like, it just makes you feel like people think you're maybe better than them. Yeah. And that's where I have a problem with the word for me being called that now if someone calls me that i'm not like offended or anything i just would never refer to myself as that um because at the end of the day i think we're all athletes right we're all athletes some of us are at different levels some of us have certain skills a certain skill set that maybe somebody else doesn't have but i think maybe that other person can have a skill set that that quote unquote celebrity doesn't have so i think that we're all athletes at the end of the day with certain skill sets and that's how I like to see myself. Just, a, just an athlete. Just an athlete that has a lot of experience, has put in a lot of hard work. Yes. Um, so I would never refer to myself as a celebrity. However, I'm very grateful that there's a certain amount of people that look up to me. And, and really, when I hear that word, I just want to inspire people and motivate people to be the best athlete they can be. 
Love it. So that's kind of my experience and kind of thought on the word cheerleading. It's funny because I, I, hope it, that all, I hope that made sense. I hope that all made sense. It makes perfect sense. And it's funny because it's, it's not a word I've ever liked either because I feel like yeah. there's enough elitism in the cheer industry, especially the all-star cheer industry um, as it is. Yeah. So we don't need anything else to further um, designate or distinguish between the quote unquote haves and have nots, you know, like I, I think right. they're, they're uh, uh, one of the things I'm trying to, to uh, push out this year is uh, the idea of this, um, this, I don't know if it's like an initiative or I don't know what you would call it, but it's called cheer and love. And it was something that I came up with. I think it was like late 2018. And um, it's the idea that, you know, we're, yes, we might exist in a competitive sport, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're my direct competition all the time, you know, just really trying to build up that sportsmanship. And um, I, I think that there's, there, yeah, there's enough elitism as it is already in this industry. And um, so I love yeah. that. I think that, I think that the term and it's funny because, like, I'm sure you've seen. Have you seen the uh, the cheer documentary series on Netflix? Have you watched that? Yes, yes, I've seen most of it. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I'm only about three or four episodes in at this point, but um, one of the episodes that I really gravitated towards was um, the the where they kind of dived into uh, Gabby's background a little bit more, Gabby Butler's background, mm -hmm. and. Her yeah. personal struggle, you know, being much like you being so much in the public eye and or in this industry, I should say, you know, being in the public eye and um, being a quote unquote cheerleverty and um, now being on mm -hmm. a one of the top, you know, college teams in, in the in the nation. And it was refreshing um, to hear her pretty much say the same thing that, that you said and and also share that struggle, share the the pressure that comes along with yeah. other people placing you on a pedestal and, mm -hmm. you know, feeling like you, you have to perform at a certain level or be somebody. And I've, I thought it was so interesting. There was, there was that moment where she was getting really down on herself because she couldn't do a certain pass. And they, she yeah. walked off the floor with one of her teammates and her teammate, even her teammate was like, well, you're going to do it because you're Gabby Butler. And I'm like, how mm -hmm. horrible that must be for her in that position or, or you in those types of positions where you already are very much aware of your own limitations as a human being and your own insecurities. Yeah. And now you have these these expectations, you know, like we, we can already talk about. Um, one of the things that I'm always talking about is the um, that fear of judgment and failure that athletes feel right. that pressure that they feel from whether it's, it's spoken or unspoken from their parents, then their teammates and their coaches. So now compound on top of that, the pressure of, you know, being in the public eye, like, did you ever experience those, those types of feelings of, of doubt and, um, insecurity with, with oh my knowing, knowing that people are looking at you as this celebrity type. Like, can you maybe touch on that? Yes, 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 absolutely. So first, going back to Gabby, the, the one of the people I was talking about when I'm like, I know people that 
you know, are referred to as celebrities and they don't really like Gabby's one of them. She's just yeah. like very same mentality as me. Like I'm just an athlete at the end of the day, just like mm. everybody else. I'm just an athlete. So that's the, one of the people I had in mind. And I was like, most quote unquote celebrities don't, they don't like the term for themselves. Right. It's very grateful. Very, very grateful. Don't like it. Um, so it's yeah. funny you brought her up. She's like, yeah, we're super close and we totally feel the same way. But, that's um, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember specifically, I remember a time that I was trying a new path, right? New. And I fell, put my hands down or something. Yeah. And I remember like everyone gasped. It was at practice. And I was kind of like, what? Like, what, what's the problem? And they're like, we've never seen you fall before. And wow. I'm like, Oh, okay. And they're like, you're like Kiara Nolan. Like you don't fall. You're perfect. And I just remember being like two things. It made me feel two ways. And then people are like, now it makes me feel better. And I'm kind of like, okay, two ways I feel like that. One, I'm like, you guys, how do you think I got all my skills? Like right. from trying them and trying and failing and failing and failing and failing to like got my skills. So I don't wow. know how you thought like, I just tried things. And then two, it made me feel almost embarrassed for mm. to fail and, and, and shame, like ashamed almost. But then my other, I was like, but I shouldn't feel ashamed. It's a new path. I messed up obviously only once that anyone's ever seen on this. Right. Thing. But it made me feel so insecure. And I know, I know these specific teammates did not make did not mean to make me feel like that, right? For sure. No, of course. They were just so shocked. And I think it almost made them feel like, okay, like, it's okay. Like, I, me messing up almost made them feel okay to mess up, too. But yeah. it made me feel so insecure and so embarrassed and so ashamed that I had messed up one time at practice. And I, and so go, going back to, you know, just, Throughout my career, as I got, you know, more well known, I rem I would step onto the competition floor, worry. You know, you're always nervous. You always want to do your best. Right. But I knew that, in the sense, especially as I got older, our whole cheer world was watching me to see wow. if I was going to mess up. And not, wow. not that I think that people were like, oh, I hope she messes up. But it was almost like, I know she's not going to mess up. Wow. And, and I mean, you want to talk about pressure every time I, every time I stepped on the mat? I mean, pressure. And I was only 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. And right. I, I do feel like that affects me to this day. To be, I'm a perfectionist. And mm. I don't think I'm a perfectionist by nature. I'm competitive by nature. But I'm not a perfectionist by nature. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of molded me into a perfectionist because I, it was, I would step out there and people, and I, I'm grateful they weren't like, oh, I hope she messes up. But it was even more pressure because it was like, I know she's not going to mess up. Yeah. And so I felt like I always had to be perfect because very similar to when, when you're stunting and the stunt falls. No matter whose fault it was, it'll be, oh, you know, Sarah, the flyer stunt fell, right? Sarah stunt right. fell. Right. You know, 
because Sarah's up in the air, whoever is up in the air. Right. And she's the flyer. She's the main focus of the stunt. Right. Um, that's how I felt. So no matter what, it, you know, it wasn't, you know, you know, this team messed up. It was Kiara messed up. And that mm. was a, that was a huge fear of mine. Um, to, to the fear of failure, to not be perfect. And I really do that, feel like that's followed me into my adult life. And I, I put this um, level of pressure on myself and these, these set of expectations. And, and it, you know, sometimes, and, you know, I talk, I'm super close to my parents and they're like, who is putting this pressure on you? Like who, right. I'll be like, I need to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And they're like, who told you that? And it really just, it's from within because I'm so used to having to be perfect um, wow. in, in terms of not messing up um, on the mat. So, so watching that, going back to the, that scene, I get it. I totally, totally get it when it's just, well, you're, you know, you're Kiara Nolan. And it's like, but at the end of the day, I'm just a regular athlete. Right. You're you just know? Kiara Nolan. So like. It, I'm still just I'm, a human being. I'm just right. And it's always side note, it's always funny when it's my first and last name. <laughs> yeah, like, right. That is my gover that is my government name, yes. You can't that just be Kiara. Like, like right. I've just yeah, I've just okay. But yeah, it totally puts a pressure in pressure on you. Man. And it's hard to it really is hard to deal with. It really, really is. What would you say to the, cause I think this is great and, and, you know, fear of failure is something I've talked about and will continue to talk about the, the, uh, clinical name, the phobia name for, uh, fear of failure is atychophobia. And I think that it's something that everybody struggles with on a daily basis. And so I've resolved to make it something Absolutely. that, the, you know, like this podcast will discuss repeatedly. It's not just going to be a, a one shot mm -hmm. episode. Um, what would you say to the the athlete that is listening right now or the parent? Let's let's talk to the, the parents and the athletes um, or the coach yeah. that is listening that has an athlete who struggles with that fear of failure. What steps did you maybe take in your personal journey to outperform that fear? Right. Because like I said before, it's not something that right. fear is not necessarily something we always get over. Right. It's not something that will leave us without that practice of understanding um, and learning to be uncomfortable with this this fear, this thing that makes us uncomfortable, learning to find some sort of comfort in that discomfort. So what steps did you take in, in your personal journey to outperform the fear of failure? Yeah, I think one thing that my parents always told me before I went out on the floor um, that really I would just like repeat over and over in my head was they would just say, do the best you can do. That's all you do. When you step on the floor, do the best you can do. It's all you can do right. is your best, right? And at the end of the day, if you do your best, that's all you can do. And so I think that even when I didn't mess up too, too often in competition, um, thank God. But <laughs> I remember in the times that I did, or maybe, you know, in my individuals or solos, I think they call them. I don't even know if they still do solos, but they don't um, do solos anymore. Like I, what the heck? They don't do solo. Oh, that's I, what? 
what I lived I, for back in the day. I love, I always did it. Everyone did an individual, I feel like. But yeah, um, yeah. I remember specifically when I, I, I competed, it was when there was like no age group and it was just like 18 and under boys and girls. You went out there, you did your best, right? Yep. It was one of those competitions, no level, no 18 and under go for it. Not right. no, you know, boys and girls go for it. Um, and I think I, I was little, I was really, I think I was still on uh, Twisters, and I think I got eighth place. Now, if you think about eighth place, 18 and under, and I'm like seven or eight boys and girls, and you get eighth place, like that's pretty incredible. But I was mad. I wanted to win so bad. I and it. I remember I was really down on myself, and my mom said, Kiara, did you do your best? I said, yeah, you know, I hit everything, and... um I, I did all my passes. I performed the best I could. I, my jumps were high. She goes, then that's all you could have done. Yeah. Right. And that was a big teaching moment for me that, um, I did my best, right. Yeah. That's all, all you can do at the end of the day. But also I think what's really important is for, if you're a coach or a parent, you know, the athletes that have the pressure on them, right. Because they're, sure. they're super talented or whatever the case may be be a support system, be that support system for them and really talk to them, see how they're doing and see if how they're dealing with the pressure. I think that sometimes even if an athlete isn't just, isn't showing it, they, you know, they could really be dealing with a lot of pressure, especially if they're yeah. the, you know, uh, uh, the most overall talented athlete. So if they're doing the hardest tumbling pass and there's, you know, doing the hardest stunt and they're centered for jumps and your point dancer, whatever the case may be. Um, that can be a lot of pressure. So be a support system for them. And it's good to push your athlete, but it's also good to make sure they're okay mentally too. See how they're right. doing. Um, and I think that's a critical thing to ensure an athlete is successful and to ensure an athlete doesn't get burned out. I saw that so many times with talented athletes where they would get pushed and pushed and pushed and had pressure on him or them and they would get burned out. It was too yeah. much. Yeah. Too much. Um, and, you know, in life, you'll have to deal with pressure. But, but you also have to make sure that that athlete is taken care of at the end of the day. Um, you know, so I think... But it, it, I mean, it's it's hard, you know. It it is hard when you have that pressure on you. Uh, For sure. But you know, again, the the support system I think is really really important. I think that it's, was that it's, was what was important for me. That's I think that's huge, and I think it's um it's funny. Like when you think of the word pressure, you get you either get two schools of thought on it. You get the parents that are and the coaches that are like, well, pressure is how diamonds are made, right? But then you also right. have to realize as well that pressure is what breaks pipes, right? Like too much steam right. in the pipes, it's gonna they're gonna burst. So you want to make sure that there is a release valve, yeah. and there is some sort of um, there's some sort of moment where you get to actually collect yourself. And I think that you're right. you're absolutely right. It's super important for parents and coaches to be a support system, be that that release valve. Mm -hmm you know, at times for the pressure or have something programmed into their 
training where it's like, it's not always go, 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 do, do, do. Right. It, it, sometimes it's, you know, like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's step back and think about what you're going through. Um, and it's, and it's very important to point out just as your parents noticed that there is pressure that's going to come from, um, internal and external, um, sources. Right. So sometimes you really mm-hmm. just need to have your athletes sit down and, um, collect themselves because they may be their greatest source of pressure. And it's okay to have those right. moments where you don't have it figured out or you don't know mm-hmm. what's going on or you are experiencing something unfamiliar. And, you know, it's, mm. uh, I think when it comes to fear and, um, and understanding, we, we really have to understand that there are so many sources that contribute to the fear. It's not just mental, it's emotional, it's physical, it's biological, um, situational, cultural, spiritual, you know, it's like, it's all of these different things yeah. that can, can contribute to us um, not understanding ourselves. And I think that's why taking the time to understand yourself or your athlete is, is super important. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's so and great. I, and um, I, I think that it's important, you know, sometimes, especially if the athlete is young or maybe has a hard time express because sometimes when you're, when you're a young athlete or you're an athlete, you have an athlete mentality of go, 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 go. Don't think just do and go, go for right. it. Right? right. And you're really mentally tough. It's hard to, ex- sometimes it's hard to express how you're feeling or you don't know how to put it into words or you really just don't know how you're feeling. Right. Right. So I think it's really important for the coaches to recognize, you know, as a coach, when you work with an athlete, you know, your athlete as a exactly. parent, you know, your, you know, your kid. So exactly. I think it's important for coaches and parents to recognize that in their athlete and then to communicate with each other. Yeah. If the kid, you know, if the athlete is having, you know, you can tell when an athlete is kind of not, you know, maybe not on their A game at practice. And it's not because they're just being lazy or having, a, you know, if you know, when something's off, talk right. to that parent. Right. And once you, I, a lot of coaches have a lot of experience, both as an athlete and as a coach, recognize it. Take, take a second when your athlete is having an off day to kind of look at them and see really if they're okay and what's going right. on. And then talk to the parent. And as a parent, if your kid is coming home from practice, and you know that maybe they've been having an off practice or their attitude seems off, or maybe they're like, I don't like you anymore. It's whatever. Blah, blah. Like take a second. And it might be because they're under a, such a great amount of pressure. So I think that everyone kind of needs to be in uh, communication about what may be going on with the athlete. Um, Completely agree. Because I think sometimes as an athlete, it's very, it's very hard to express yourself. And sometimes you just don't know. You can't recognize it yourself because you don't exactly. know what you don't know, right? I think, I think, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that that level of emotional intelligence is something that mm-hmm. we need to start really employing as coaches, parents, mm-hmm. athletes. You know that whole that whole triad, that whole triangle of yeah. uh, that is responsible ultimately for an athlete's success. Um, right. We need to start practicing a level of emotional intelligence where you know because then, like you're 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 bringing up a great point, but that also delves into 
family dynamics. Maybe you come from a family that doesn't talk about their emotions or how they feel. Maybe you're used to seeing your mom or your dad struggle and then not talk about it. They just go through it, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's this psychology Mm -hmm. that starts coming into play where it's, it's starting to get deeper than, you know, it's not just talking, but how do we talk? Like you said, maybe I, maybe there's athletes that just don't know how to talk or share or Mm -hmm. explore what they're feeling. So um, emotional intelligence, um, communication, I would even argue one of the things that I started employing uh, when I was doing a lot of private lessons, um, I got to a point where, you know how sometimes the universe is just kind of all messed up at the same time and you can just see it. (laughs) You see it everywhere. And there was, there was, there was a string of private lessons where every girl that walked through that door had something traumatic going on in her life. And so um, it, it got down to where we would spend the first 10, 15 minutes of a lesson. I would never start a lesson without asking how she was doing. How are you doing? What's going on? Yeah. Because that's going to affect her performance at private lessons. And it's not doing either of us any good for me to say, you know, get your head right. Come on, like focus. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. That is all well and good. But, you know, you know, you and I both know a lot of coaches will say leave emotion at the door. When you come into practice, which we get that concept, but as human beings, that's impossible. And again, with emotional intelligence, that's kind of insensitive because I think the the greater thing to teach an athlete is to learn how to perform in spite of your emotions, right? How to use that to create greater focus. Um, So one of the things I started utilizing in my lessons was um, the five love languages and, um, reading that book. I read it for personal reasons. And then I started seeing the application in my relationship with like my family and then my friends and then the athletes that I work with, like really understanding how a person receives and expresses their, uh, their love and affection really helps inform how they also receive and express their accolades, you know? Right. And um, their congratulations I, or correct criticisms. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say that um, as a coach, because you went, you know, maybe you don't have a family that, you know, they, they don't talk about things or things like that. And I, I, I have an interesting perspective because I have such an awesome, awesome family. And I know not everybody maybe has that. Maybe not yeah. the parents. Maybe the parents are not supportive. Maybe the parents are, are not really involved in cheering, don't know anything about it. So I, I you know. I need to be careful with how I say it because I have such a great family. I know not everybody does have supportive parents, but I think as a coach, that's where you kind of, for every athlete, you know, a supportive two parent household or, you know, a different family dynamic coaches play such an important role in an athlete's life, Mm. especially because they're at the gym. So often, you know, they spend all this time at school with their teacher and then they spent all this time at the gym with their coach and then you know right. and then you see your parents and then you go to bed and you start all over again so i think that, right. <laughs> that's where a coach that's where a coach can be so instrumental in an athlete's life um by you know maybe you know wow the family doesn't really talk about too much at home you know without overstepping boundaries maybe i can ask how 
how that athlete's doing. I know something's off. Maybe I can just ask how they're doing. And I know that one thing at, uh, on the, you know, Baylor's acrobatics and tumbling team, what we did, uh, my, my coach, Felicia Mulkey, uh, awesome, awesome coach, by the way, he would say, is there, before practice started, is there anything we need to get on the table? Mm. And then that was your time to say, you know, Hey, I, I failed a test today and I'm really upset about it. Or my boyfriend just broke up with me and I am not having a good day or, you know, me and my mom had a fight, whatever the case may be. But once sometimes just when you say it out loud, right. You just feel better. For and sure. so I think that was something that was really interesting because it was kind of, you know, check your emotion and personal life out the door. We need to practice, but right. it was, let us know what's going on with you. If you're comfortable mm. saying it, let us know what's going on. So if you have an off day, we can help you. And then also use practice as just a break for, you know, three hours that right. you, you don't have to deal. You're at practice. So right now you can't deal with whatever problem you're having. You're at practice. So use it as kind of a, an escape for a few hours, you know, as a distraction for a few hours. And I think mm. that when we, you know, it was couched like that, you almost practiced better you know if you could set it and then okay i can't deal with that right now i'm going to use this as my escape right. and i know for a lot of athletes cheer or tumbling or you know cheer and tumbling is kind of an escape they have a passion yeah. for it right. so i think that was a really interesting perspective that i learned later on in my career so and i think that's great because there's so many times i'm really glad that you bring that up as a point um as a matter yeah. of fact just because there are so many times where Coaches that, you know, God bless them, but there are there are some coaches that will ruin an experience, a cheer experience for an athlete who does see mm-hmm. cheer as an escape or an outlet, um, you know, a break from their normal waking life to kind of breathe and express themselves and, and you know, just get mm-hmm. lost in the physicality of everything um, just by being emotionally insensitive or um, just not seeing that, you know, not seeing past the, the task at hand. Like, yes, it's right. practice. Yes. We got things that we need to get done. Yes. I need the best or you need the best performance that you can get out of your athletes, but we're human at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, we're, we all need that time to reflect or sometimes like you're saying, just say it out loud. We need that moment of acknowledgement to say, listen, I'm not mm-hmm. here for a sob story or for everybody to like, you know, cry all over me, but I am kind of having a crappy right. day. So can we just, you know, thank you for letting me just acknowledge that I'm having a crappy day. Yeah. It's not you. It's me. Let's get stuff done now. Um, right. But yeah, you know, it's just, it, it, it's important. I think for coaches to be able to understand, like, you know, um, try be, be, be careful not to ruin and experience for your athletes. Same with parents. You know, parents will do it because they don't know how to read their their child or their athlete with what they may be experiencing, maybe because they don't talk. And next thing you know, they're using cheer, the only thing that is giving their their child a sense of purpose at that time. They're using it as a disciplinary yeah. action, you know, taking it away from them. And um, it, it's a difficult dynamic, no matter what background you come from or how you were raised or what relationship you have with your, your parents or your child. Um, I think 
it, it just goes back to reinforce your point from, you know, moments before where you were just saying communication is key, no matter if you're the parent, the yeah. athlete or the coach. Yeah, I think, and I think you're so right. It is, diff- it's totally a difficult thing because you're right. You know, you want to acknowledge what's going on, you know, personally or what's going on emotionally or mentally with the kid, but you also, or the athlete, but you also want to, you know, they kind of need to learn that's life kind of need right. to learn to, to compartmentalize in a sense and, and still practice. So I think that's why everyone's job athlete, parent, coach is really, really instrumental and really, really important to, to, you know, kind of developing a successful athlete. It's not easy. It's very yeah. difficult. So, you know, and I, I think coaches especially don't get enough credit. It's hard. You know, I'm not, I'm not a full-time coach or anything, but uh, I know it's difficult. I, you know, I'll do clinics for four hours and, you know, you're like, you really realize, even in the four hours, you realize the impact as a coach you have on each individual athlete. And that's in my four hours. I'm like, man, right. I couldn't imagine if, if I've been, you know, I, I had coaches for years who in right. years and years who had an impact, uh, who had a huge impact on my life. And I was only one of their athletes. Right. So coaches and you have a whole team it of is, those. It's difficult. Right. And then you have a whole team of, of high, you know, of athletes that you have worked with for years or um, just keeping track of it's, it's funny, like even me, like going, I work with about 14 different schools every week. And so like, sometimes it's like, I don't mean it to be insensitive or to make it seem like Mm -hmm. I'm not paying attention, but sometimes I have to ask an athlete, like, were you the one that I told, you know, such and such to last week about your back handspring or, you know, or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think it, it, it really does. Um, it, it does resonate with an athlete when you can, when they know, how many athletes you work with and you come back the next week and you're like, Hey, yeah. how are you feeling this week? I know last week you were saying, you know, yeah. you were worried about that test. How did the test go? Um, you know, just showing that you are aware of the struggles that they might be dealing with. Um, I think that goes a right. long way, you know, totally. So I wanted to kind of touch back on, um, I have, I have two kind of big questions that I wanted to ask you, but I also want to kind of start wrapping up because I know you've got, you know, uh, your life to get to and I don't want to keep you too long. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I maybe even save something for another interview in the future. So, uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to spoil it all right now, but, um, I know one of the things that you and I talked about, um, over the phone before was, um, kind of this, this fear of, of, irrelevance that you were experiencing and I don't even think it was Mm -hmm. something that specific but it was just kind of like this and correct me if I'm wrong and interject at any time but I felt like it was this this thing that you were discovering along your journey you know for those of you listening right now um, first of all follow Kiara on Instagram it's Kiara Nolan fit correct with an underscore yes Yes, it's at Kiara Nolan underscore fit. And then I have a second account. It is at Keeksy. That's K-E-E-E-K-S-I-I-I. I I made that 
um, username when I was a junior in high school, as you can tell. <laughs> as you can tell, I was like 16. <laughs> yeah, as you get older, you use less vowels. So, um, yeah, no, we, I think Absolutely. we got that. Absolutely. <laughs> but if you're not following her, stop what you're doing right now. Put this on pause. Go follow her. And you'll see the value that she is trying to add through her account. And Kiara, I, I know it was something you you and I were talking about kind of from um, a business standpoint um, about, you know, you had this brand growing up, you know, this personal yeah. brand that was, like you said, it's never just Kiara. It's always Kiara Nolan. And because that's Absolutely. your brand, <laughs> right? It's never just Gabby. It's Gabby Butler. Yeah. That's, those are your brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but you, you, you did touch on the fact that you took some years off to focus on Baylor, to focus on yeah. uh, your education, to focus on, you know, just personal mm-hmm. development and, and getting older. And and now it's something that you're wanting to get back to doing, which is developing your personal brand. And you had mentioned right. that there is kind of like this inherent um, subconscious fear of irrelevance or 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 mm-hmm. staying relevant and kind of getting back into doesn't even have to be the limelight but just getting back to a place where you're putting yourself on display for the purpose of building up your personal brand um and i thought that was yeah. that was really interesting because the the interesting thing about fear and why we have so many phobias you know there's thousands of phobias listed on the internet and it's because fear is so subjective to each and every one of us you and i could be experiencing something similar but the specificities of that fear are going to be different between you and i and um so i was wondering if that you know that's maybe just something you can just you know elaborate on like you know how has this fear affected you and manifested itself in your career and you know what steps do you do you feel that you have taken or are taking to you know outperform these these fears and, and insecurities yeah so that's that's a big that's a big topic and to be completely honest one i'm still figuring out myself so like you said yeah. um i you know stepped away from cheer for my family um education was like a number one priority always no matter what um nice so i stepped away from cheer went to Baylor University, was on the acrobatics and tumbling team, um, graduated, and now I'm actually getting my master's of business administration. Um, Congratulations. But in that time, thank you. I it's, I really appreciate it. And it's hard, and I have class tonight. <laughs> no, I'm not looking forward <laughs> to it, but I'm happy I'm in the program. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting because I once I graduated, you know, I then I started my Kiara Nolan fit account and you know I was hesitant though because mm. as much as you know it, it's weird because it's not like I want to be you know a celebrity or famous or anything like that but I did care like what if I what if I start this fitness account and nobody cares and nobody follows it and as much as we all like to say like likes and follows don't matter and they shouldn't matter right but for somebody that kind of experienced, you know, people caring so much, whether that be a good thing or a bad thing, people cared so much about 
my tumbling career, that was just kind of a, a almost tangible expression of whether or not people still cared about mm. me. It's mm. kind of a form of expression to, sh- to show, be a, be a direct, uh, I guess, like a, a direct example of do people still care about me now that I don't hear? And for me, that was terrifying. Wow. Because I, again, it comes from that fear of failure, of right. fear of being irrelevant in the sense of people don't care. And it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. But it it does, right? At the end mm. of the day, sometimes it kind of does. And so right. I started my account because at the end of the day, I was like, I want to be in, you know, people closest to my life. I was talking to them about it. And they're like, yeah, it's not a big deal. If you want to start it, start it, right? And I really made that account. And I was like, I enjoy creating tumbling combinations, filming, uploading it to Instagram. At the end of the day, no matter if it gets likes, comments, or if I get followers, I enjoy doing it. Right. And so I'm going to do it. And I put it out there and it's doing well. And, and people are like, what do you want it to turn into? And I, to be honest, I have no idea. Right now I'm just having fun with it. But I think that it did kind, it did kind of tap into my fear of failure and fear of people not caring. And, you know, this kind of rebranding, I guess you can call it, because now I'm starting to do clinics again and, and things like that. But this rebranding has really taught me and is still teaching me. Again, I'm not I'm not perfect and I don't have it all figured out. And I don't think I'll ever have it all figured out. But it's right. taught me to just kind of like full circle to what I was saying when we started was just, you know, do things for myself. If it makes me happy, success and good things will follow. Mm. And it, and it, it really has. Uh, but I think that you have to conquer that fear, whatever that fear looks like. Um, and it can be hard. It can be really, really hard. But it's something that I know that I'm learning to deal with. I'm learning to deal with it because I know it's never going to go away. The fear of failure. It's something that I'm constantly going to have to battle with mm-hmm. throughout life. Everybody does. And so right now what I'm learning in my life is to deal with it and to beat it. And it's been a really interesting process and a really interesting time, you know, kind mm. of rebranding myself and rebranding, um, you know, everything because I'm not, you know, I'm not a cheerleader anymore. I'm not right. Kiara Nolan from Smell I'm not 15 right. years old. And that's really why I wanted to start this account was just because I felt like I'm, I'm different now. I'm an adult. I'm 24. Yeah. which is so weird to think about, but I'm 24. I'm not, I don't want to be the, and I think that some people I felt, and again, I understand, but they, they were trying to keep me as Kiara Nolan from California All-Stars, the 15 year old cheerleader. Right. And I'm not her anymore. I, mm. I mean, that's, it's a huge, huge part of my life that has given me opportunity. And I am so grateful but I want to, I want to build on that now. I want to be more than that. And so I, I think, but, but for a long time, I was scared to be more than that, to be Kiara Nolan, the tumbler or the cheerleader. Um, I was scared because I was like, man. And, and I think a lot of athletes go through 
this when where they retire from competing, it's who am I? Mm. If I'm not Kiara Nolan, the power tumbler, or Kiara Nolan from Smoed, or Kiara Nolan um, from the Acro team at Baylor, then who am I? I think that's, that's such a huge. The, that's kind of Sorry. an interesting thing that when you're an elite athlete and you put so much into sports, and that goes funny when you put you're an elite. I don't know. I, I use athlete, but if you're a musician or whatever you mm-hmm. whatever your thing is, mm-hmm. when you put so much into it, the trade off is it kind of becomes your life. And so without that thing, what's your identity? And that's something I'm learning now. I'm I'm learning to know, to get to know just Kiara, just me, just Kiara, um, <laughs> not Kiara Nolan with something attached at the end. And right. but that doesn't mean again. That doesn't mean I bring. I don't bring all those things with me. I just want to build on that. Um, but that c- comes with a lot of fear, and that it's something that I'm dealing with now. It's not easy. The struggle every day. <laughs> right. The struggle is real every single day. The struggle is real. I'm telling you. But I think you brought up some amazing points. And it's funny, like when I was about to interject, you ended up saying exactly what I was going to interject to say is, and that is your identity gets wrapped up in I know, what kinda, you do. It kind of took me a, a second to get to my, it kind of took me a second to get to my point. I'm really sorry. There. But I actually, no, no, that's, that's it. I've never really talked these things out loud. So right yeah. now I'm actually thinking and talking through these things out loud. I've just been living them, but it's yeah. sometimes difficult to verbalize. So sorry if it's taking me this second to get there. <laughs> no need to apologize because that ladies and gentlemen is exactly my philosophy when it comes to outperforming fear. You have to talk it out. You have to verbalize it. These are the things that we've been taught culturally, socially, sometimes even in our family dynamic to never verbalize, you know, like, If you're afraid, you know, think about how many people in society are taught not to show signs of fear because fear is weakness. When really Mm -hmm. understanding your fear is a sign of strength and experiencing fear. You said it at the beginning, which I loved. You said, I'm afraid because this is something that's that's kind of, you know, I think you said something like uh, it's kind of exciting and it's new. Um, Mm -hmm. And and because you you really want to do it, you know. And Mm -hmm. I think that we have this negative association with fear that it's always this bad thing when really it's just a a response to discomfort. And you said something um, a second ago where, where you said that my fear is never going to leave me. And it was like, it's, it's such a a poignant point to make that fear doesn't leave us, you know? And, and it's funny because we have all of these, I call them motivation tactics. You know, we have all these motivation tactics and especially online, especially on like Pinterest and Instagram. And you, you know, you get all of these memes and, and posts that say, you know, like uh, be fearless, conquer your fear, beat your fear, destroy your fear and all these things. But it's like, it's really painting a, an a counterproductive picture of the role that fear plays in your life and your association with it, you know? And um, I think that, you know, your, your message, whether you're realizing it or not, because you're, you're just talking it out now for the first time, your message is a very powerful one. It is to, you know, number one, be completely self-aware 
and know what know what your why is know why you're doing this in the first place you know and and if you can you know they always say if you can remember why you started you can remember why you want to finish why you should finish um uh you know search for that happiness make sure it's something that is making you happy if it's not making you happy that's when you really need to start questioning your motives um and then finally Mm -hmm understanding that your fear is not going to leave you. So let's try to understand what causes the fear, uh, you know, what that fear is a reaction to and how, like the steps that I can take to outperform it, your willingness, your bravery in just starting the key, the Kiara Nolan fit Instagram account. That is, is it's funny because I asked you what steps do you feel that you're taking to outperform your fear of irrelevance? That was it right there. That was probably the mm-hmm. biggest step. You just started. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to put this out there. I don't, you know, like th- sure. There's a part of me that cares, you know, because I, I that's just how we're wired. You know, we kind of like that immediate dopamine shot when we get to see the likes going up or the followers going up. Sure, of course. But but at the end of the day, you know, this is something that I enjoy doing. So I'm going to put it out there because I enjoy it. And I think um, that that's probably one of the biggest steps that a lot of people don't take, you know, um, that first leap of faith because they're so focused on falling and failing. But they they don't see the the upside where. But what if I take this leap and I actually I take off? What if I start flying? What if I start enjoying this way more than I ever thought I could. Um, And so I think that I applaud you because that is a huge step that a lot of people don't take. And I think that anybody who's listening right now, really that resonated with them. Well, I think another thing that really helps me that I do, and I hope it can help someone else. I always think what's the, okay, I'm going to do this. What seriously, what's the worst that can happen? So for me, it was it. starting this Instagram. Okay, what is, what's the worst thing that can happen? No one follows. Then what? And all of a sudden, I was like, well, then no one follows and nothing, right? Really, nothing. Wow. Then nothing. Nothing. <laughs> the world will not end. I will wake up tomorrow. It will be okay. I can right. delete the account. I don't have to delete the account. Whatever. And then when I, mo- I'd say 95 percent of the time when I do the tactic of what's the worst thing that can happen it's really not that bad it's amazing that's amazing <laughs> and then I'm like so why was I scared in the first place exactly. but I, I actually have to do that because quite frankly I can spiral fast if my thoughts become negative I can get hot, down on myself really fast <laughs> it gets dark real quick this, oh, 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 I can, I can, my mom, my mom and I joke, I can spiral and I can get really (laughs) negative really quick. Yeah. So I have to do that often. What's the worst thing that can happen? And that's never that bad. 90% of the time it is really not that bad. And the other 10% of the time I'm like, well, this, this, and this can happen. And then, yeah, well, life, life will go on. So I think that's a really interesting tactic to do. What's the worst thing that can happen? I completely agree. And it um, helps me. I completely agree. Seneca the Younger, which was one of the philosophers I was talking about earlier, um, has a, a famous quote. We suffer far greater in imagination than in reality. 
And yeah. it's funny because that you you just said it. That also got me thinking about the phrase that 95% of us always utter after we finally take that leap of faith and we try something that we were so afraid of in the first place. We all usually end up saying that wasn't that bad. And it just goes to and show that. You've said, yeah, and I've heard you say that before. It's so true. Right. Eh, like we, we we suffer in, in imagination way more than we ever, ever will in reality. And it's funny because I also just posted something that I heard Steve Harvey say the other day where he, he was giving this talk. And he said um, he said that we as humans give ourselves far too much credit when it comes to imagination. He was like, you can't yeah. imagine something that's impossible. Like we're not that smart. So as 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 much as you as far as into the the crazy depths and realms that your brain might wander sometimes you we're we're not that smart that we're going to create something so impossible you know and terrible like we we do it's funny cuz we do imagine and theorize and stuff usually within the realm of our own capability or possibility so even the things that are your worst case scenario in your mind, it's not going to be as bad as you think it is when you're just allowing your 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 mind to just start wandering and and create all these, you know, what ifs, you know, and you, you'll get lost very quickly in the realm of what if um, if you if you let your yeah. mind. But I think that's a great that's a perfect tactic. I love it. That's exactly what um I would preach and, and what I, I really want people to take away from from this kind of the conversation is that, you know, there are steps glad, that you can you take know, that some, actually work. Sometimes I'm like, am I crazy going? And I'm like, well, okay, what's the worst thing? Blah, blah, blah. And it's only like making an Instagram account, right? Right. But you're so right. You you can imagine so many things out of something so little if you let right. yourself. Right. If you let yourself, so don't let you know. And I don't want to say like, don't let yourself it's easy, but but I think it's so important to find because your fear is not going to leave, and it's something you will have to deal with forever. You know, ups and downs, and everyone does. You just have to find tactics and coping skills that work for you, right? And it's not one cookie cutter way. It's not a fix. Sometimes it's not one one tactic is going to fix everything. Mm. And it's not going to fix all, fix all situations, but you just have to. And I think that's what's so interesting. You know, the more you get to know yourself, the more you figure out which tactics work for you and in what situation. And it's not, it's not easy to figure all of that out, but I think that it's such a beautiful journey, I guess. It's an, it's really interesting journey to go through. And, and it's something you'll continue to go through as you change and as you grow and, and as you learn more and, and I think it's awesome. It, it's, it's hard. It's very difficult, but it's a, it's a really cool thing to learn. I love it. I completely agree. So Kiara, I got one more question for you. It's something that I try to ask all of my guests and it's the, the, the note that I always like to end the show on. Um, okay. And, and this can be as long or as short of an answer as you like, but what is the greatest mm -hmm. lesson you feel that you've learned in your 24 years so far, what is the greatest lesson you've learned from fear? Oh, man. Greatest lesson I've learned is probably, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Okay. 
if you deal with it head on, you don't shy away from it, you don't procrastinate doing the things you, you know, need to do to deal with it, and you and you just look it straight in the face and and deal with it. Mm. I think it will be easier for you in the long run. You'll always overcome what you're super, super fearful of. Always. You'll always overcome it if you just deal with it head on. And I think for a long time, I, and I still do to an extent, shy away from it. Well, this scares me. So I don't, I don't really want to do it or this, Ooh, this makes me a little bit nervous. So I'm just going to put that off for now. I'm going to put that off for Mm. now. I'll I'll do it. I'll I'll do it, but I'm going to put it off for now. Every time, first of all, I'm always forced to deal with it. Whatever I'm, whatever (laughs) I fear, I'm forced to deal with it eventually. Right. Right. And I always think I'm not going to want to deal with this. I'm not going to want to deal with this more later in life. I'm not going to want to deal with it. I'm not going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm ready. I feel Mm. I'm I'm excited to deal with, you know, to overcome the fear. No, I'm never going to want to deal with it more than I do right now. So let me just do it. Let me just overcome it. And what usually when I do, I'm like, okay, I don't know. You know, I did it. I did it. Right. Right. I hope that made sense. I've never really said that out loud, but just, just deal with it head on and you will overcome it. You will. Every time. I love, I love that you've been, but you'll do it. I love that you've been having these, these, uh, moments of discovery throughout this interview where you're like, yeah. you know, I never realized I've never said this out loud before. Um, I, yeah. again, I just think that's a huge testament to anybody that's listening that may be struggling with, with something that you're either fearful of, you're uncertain of, you're uncomfortable with just starting to talk it out loud, whether it's by yourself yeah. in the car or, you know, during your, your internal dialogue with, with meditation or maybe you're talking to one of your best friends and say, hey, look, can I just say something? You don't have to respond to it. Can I just say it to you? Because I need to say it out loud. Um, you will discover so many things about yourself because saying mm-hmm. it in your in your mind, in your mind's voice over and over again, uh, you get lost sometimes. And, and uh, yeah. the brain hates discomfort. Our brains seek out complacency sameness routine they 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 like to know that we're going to be safe and once we find a safe way uh, of doing something that we're comfortable with it likes us to stay there um but this is why growth only happens out of your comfort zone so get uncomfortable more often make it a habit and talk out your fears your discomforts your your insecurities talk them out loud and watch how that confidence starts to build when you make discomfort your habit. I, I, love I totally agree. And I think that if you don't have somebody to talk to, if you, you know, some people, um, writing super therapeutic for them. If you have like a journal, write it down, write it in the notes of your phone, yes. write it on a scratch piece of paper. If you have to. Just, just write it down. And I think that that can, if you don't have somebody to talk to or maybe, or you feel, you know, sometimes I know there's certain things that I'm like, I'm just not ready to talk this out with somebody yet. Yeah. Write it down. 
and then and then when it comes time, maybe you can get comfortable enough to to talk it out loud with somebody. And a lot of times when you talk it out loud and you say it, you're like, this is what I'm scared of. All of a sudden you're like, wow, when I said that out loud, that did not seem like something I should really be that scared of. <laughs> Do you right? ever talk it out loud to your to your dog or your to your pet? You have, uh, wait, do you have cats? Yes. You have cats because or dogs? Because I am a full-time dog mom. <laughs> Got you. Uh, you know, yes. talk talk it of out course. to your to your dog or your your cat. You know, just yeah. or, or like you said, write it down. But you know, it, the the whole point is to to like you said, confront your fear, and not in mm-hmm. a way that you're looking to wrestle it to the ground and and um and to don't don't approach it like a fight. Approach it like a conversation, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that you'll learn so much more about yourself, what you're actually afraid of, and and you'll you, you'll even start to discover, like much like you did with launching your Instagram account, you'll start to discover that the solutions mm-hmm. are quite simple, and they're staring you right in the face, and really all it takes on your part is just a leap of faith, just taking a chance with very little to no risk at your expense, you know, or to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kiara, I thank you so much for this time together, uh, for your insights, for your opinions and for sharing just, you know, more of your story and, and for having some of these first time revelations, uh, during this conversation. Um, it has been a truly wonderful time talking with you and I can't wait if, if you're willing, I can't wait to have you back on, uh, some other time this year, maybe we could talk more specifically about mental blocks or, you know, what, what the industry refers to as mental blocks, uh, with athletes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really, again, I really appreciate you inviting me on the podcast. And I hope that at least one thing I said resonates with somebody and can help, help somebody out there. You know, it's all, and, you know, these are important topics. They really are important topics. And, and I, I definitely made some, I really did some self-discovery today. So I really appreciate it. There, you had some great questions, some hard well, thank questions, you. but some good ones. Hey, thank you so much. I like, I like to, you know, I like to dig deep when we, when we start talking. So, but no, thank man, you so much. Man, thank it's good. So- <laughs> I was like, these are some hard hitting questions here. <laughs> That's the only way we do it here. I like, I like deep talks like this. I think they're important to have. I agree. Completely agree. Well, thank you so much once again. And uh, we'll catch you on the, on the flip side. Absolutely. Good luck with everything. And I'm, I'm excited. This is good. Thank you. There you have it, guys. The first episode of the Fearless You for the new decade is in the can. I want to thank my very special guest, Kiara Nolan, for lending her expertise, her insight, and basically just letting her heart spill all over this interview to share with you guys and offer you a unique insight into the heart, the mind, and the soul of a high-performing athlete. You guys, if you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment, screen grab what you're listening to, and share it on your IG story, share it on TikTok. But if you share it on IG, be sure to tag me, at Coach Lane, L-A-I-N, the Fearless You podcast at The Fearless You. That's the letter U, not the word. And of course, make sure you tag Kiara as well. That's at Keeksy, K E E E K S I I I. 
And if you guys are listening to this episode somewhere where you have the ability to leave a review, please take a moment and do so. Leave us a rating and a review. It's my vision to touch the lives of the masses and add value to the world. And every like, rating, and review only helps me to further realize that vision. Remember guys, closed mouths don't get fed. If you don't understand something, ask questions and seek understanding. Because if we seek to understand more, we can learn to fear, fear itself less. Thank you guys again so much for joining me today. Remember, whatever it is you want in life, go out there and get after it with all your heart, all your mind, and all your understanding. I'm Coach Lane. I'll catch you on the flip. I'm <laughs> sorry.